You are now listening to High Five the Podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff too. Now let's join our hosts Q and J as they broadcast live from the writer's room. The show starts in one... She is... <laughs> no, Allison Brie. Uh, she's in that new movie about nuns. She's the brunette from Community. Yes. She's in a new movie Got about it. like... Sexy, dirty nuns with Aubrey Plaza. Oh yeah, that looks terrible. It it, it kind of does, but I'm probably gonna see it. Uh, you'll definitely see it, but it's most like it's probably gonna be terrible. Probably, but you know, whatever. Speaking of terrible movies and uh, dirty nuns, um, I'm excited to do this episode on '90s cartoon shows for what kids. A fantastic segue. Are we recording? Seriously? Yeah, we've been recording that's, for a while. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, I, mean, I, don't I don't know how know, to segue. There's no better way to segue than to just go Dirty Nuns, uh, 90s, 90s car- cartoon shows kids for cartoon kids. shows. Right, which is the like a real stressor. And to be honest, there was probably Dirty Nuns in most of these 90s cartoon At least shows. three of mine have Dirty Nuns Okay, so I, I can guarantee so it. So it is a perfect segue. So I say we high five and get right into it. Let's Dirty Nun it up. High five. Give me a Dirty Nun. Oh. Should we high five? High five! High five! High five! High five! High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it. Zoinks! <laughs> you almost made me spit out my beer. <laughs> I know. You didn't expect but, that. But okay, Zoinks, I have to correct you, yeah. is not a 90s cartoon show. It's You're right. It's not a cartoon show. It is a cartoonish phrase. Yes. And the point was I was trying to do, what do they call it, onomatopoeia? No, it's not onomatopoeia. What is it? Onomatopoeia is where you say the same like. What's what is this? What is the sound word? I guess that's onomatopoeia. Is it? I don't think so. No, come on, you're the smart one. It's duo. I don't. Onomatopoeia is where you repeat like the same consonant or vowel sound over and over. But what is it when you like bonk or splat or whatever? It's it's a sound and it's a word. I mean, it's yeah, it's the word for a sound. Um. What is that called? I, okay, I think, yeah. No, it is onomatopoeia. It is onomatopoeia. I guess I was wrong in that. Ha! I've I'm, been... the, I'm the smart one. <laughs> Damn it, I've I'm lost, like I'm like I've Job the from crown. Lawnmower Man. Like, I thought you were going to say Job versus I started out as mentally handicapped lawn care guy. And then you ended up in a shitty Stephen King ap- adaptation? No, I just turned into really shitty CGI. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was it. Well, and you had, and you had like, now. you had like amorphous... Uh, liquid sex. Yeah, one hundred percent. Great. Um, yeah. You know what also has amorphous liquid sex? What is that? Nineties kids cartoons. It sure as shit what? does. What? Speaking I think of this, sex I, and dirty nuns, I think this episode is going to be called the best segways ever. <laughs> the best sexways ever. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. I think it was. I think because I is. just segued into some sexy ways. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, Fifty Shades Darker oh, unrated shit. did get released this week. Is it weird that I normally watch '90s kid shows with no pants on? Not really. Depends on the show. I'm gonna say that phrase sounds weirder on paper. Or looks weirder on paper than it does in practice. It might sound weirder over the podcast airways to people listening, but I can tell you if you're watching like Sewer Sharks, it's not weird at it's all. It's totally cool. It's totally cool. All right. Well, that's or David fun. the Gnome. Right. As Completely long as I'm cool. doing it like not yeah. with other children or your neighbor's kids. Oh right. wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do most things with no pants on, but not kids. 
<laughs> How is that even possible? No, right. I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> so uh, anyway, moving on from our pedophilia conversation. <laughs> oh my god. We this is this is just it's gonna uh, be great. This is I'm excited already. Speaking of kids shows, <laughs> happy, happy, joy, uh, joy. I am happy and both joyed. Yeah. Did you see what I said there? Yeah. Both joyed because yeah. he repeated joy twice. I, I like uh, joy squared, happy squared, joy squared. Oh shit! Yeah. Science. I'm bringing in some math <laughs> because ha- science. Hashtag, hashtag math. nerdist. <laughs> <laughs> Pick us up for your network or Can we whatever. Just, hey, man, will that work? Can we just like start saying other <laughs> podcast titles and they just like, you know, hashtag we hate movies. It's kind of like if we mention Lay's Potato Chips and Lay's Potato Chips has to sponsor the show. Gotcha. If we keep saying Lay's Potato So these potato other shows chips. have to mention us? Yeah. So we just run down like hashtag we hate movies. Yeah. Hashtag Earwolf. Hashtag <laughs> Smodcast. <laughs> hashtag Kevin Smith. Hashtag how did this get made? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it, right? So now, I mean, we're set for life. We're pretty now. much part of the network now. We are millionaires by the end of this recording. Hashtag Chris Hardwick. Yeah. That is what just put us over the yeah. edge. <laughs> Talking with Chris Hardwick? Yeah. Yeah. It's, we've got a new show coming up. It's called Talking Five with, <laughs> with Chris Hardwick. With Chris Hardwick. He's hosting it. He it's basically even... where he just recaps our previous <laughs> i5 episodes. It's a minute by minute podcast of our previous yeah. podcast episodes. The problem is he ran out of other shit to just talk about, like Talking Dead, Talking Comic Book Men, Talking whatever. So he's like trying to find real niche things. He's like, right. I found this little shitty podcast that nobody listens to. So I'm going to do podcast. a minute by minute talking <laughs> Reca- podcast recap of it. Recap of it. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think he's doing much nowadays. Exactly. Nah, he's not busy. You know what he's definitely not doing? This. Watching 90s cartoons. That's true. Like we are. Yeah. Like we are. Which I did actually go back and watch a lot of these to rejigger my memory of them. Yeah. Because um, I don't know if people know this. It's been a little while since the 90s were upon us. And most of these what? shows I watched as a kid. Yeah. Um, what's, and so. What's weird is, man, I was doing the math on this too. And uh, since I'm terrible at math, um, it was real weird. Like for some reason it came up to me that the 90s was 75 years ago. Um, which I don't think is right. I think that's I think it's close. It is. That's um, definitely you're in the ballpark. But to think that the '90s were almost 18 years ago right now is nuts. Like, is crazy. The, the '90s are legally able to be fucked by one of us. Totally, or both of us. <laughs> yeah, we could we head. could Eiffel Tower the '90s if <laughs> we, we wanted. To. You know what? I think this that that should be the name of this episode: is Eiffel Tower, Tower the, the '90s. 90s. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I think VH1 would actually pick that up. Hashtag VH1. <laughs> they have to now. They have to. It's legally so binding. So Eiffel Towering content. the '90s. If you look up at the top of the page you're listening on, that's what this will say. But it's gonna be even weirder because it's gonna say Eiffel Towering the '90s kids <laughs> cartoon <laughs> 90s kids. shows. '90s kids. Stop. <laughs> Hard stop. <laughs> Full stop. It was a hard stop. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should make this the filthiest podcast that we have on record. I think record. we're already heading that direction. We don't have and to try only, to make it like, anything. We're 10 minutes in, and it's already got ours a hard R. <laughs> it is. It's, we're, we're pushing for an it NC-17. Is. This is our sausage party. It really, it really is. You think you're getting one thing, a cute animated movie. But no, it is a filthy dive into its like spiritual institutions. <laughs> exactly. It's just super fucked. You which guys is, are fucked for listening to this. Great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So let's talk about it a little bit. Okay. But, but I want with the, where I want to start okay. is before we started recording this, you made a statement that deeply hurt my feelings. Okay. 
And you said there weren't a lot of good 90s cartoon shows. Yes. And that bothers me I because stand by I that. had a very hard time selecting a top five list, and I have like 87 honorable mentions. Okay, the problem is, is uh, quality-wise, longevity of show run, relevance to currently being an acceptable television show. Longevity of show run, I will 100% back you up on because most of these only ran for three or four seasons. Right. Um, but I would make the argument that importance to the longevity of cartoons as a sustainable franchise, a lot of these pave the way for that. You can't list Men in Black the cartoon 30 <laughs> I'm times. Not, I'm not, I'm not going to list that or Clerks. Or Godzilla. <laughs> well, no, to be fair, you can't list Clerks anyway because that wasn't a good show. It's not, no. uh, the, which is actually the same reason that I would consider like Simpsons and South Park out. Yeah, definitely. So Simpsons, South Simpsons Park. Simpsons is a little more tame, but I still yeah. wouldn't consider it a kid show. South Park is right yeah. out. I and then spoiler alert: I did not put Simpsons on my list mainly because I don't consider it a kid show. No, I consider it's definitely it a, not. I consider it a quality television program. Yeah, as opposed to a kids run television. Yeah. show. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, '90s shows, '90s kid shows, for me, that um, there was a really we- it was a weird time for kid shows in general. Um, but especially cartoons, they, there was basically three types of cartoons getting made in the mm-hmm. early nineties. You had your like existing property cartoons. So your licensed cartoons right. like the mask and right. Um, Ace Ventura, the cartoon <laughs> and right. Godzilla, the Matthew Broderick movie. All of cartoon. these I have forgotten about. Yeah. You had, uh, then you had, um, just really bizarre, concept cartoons right so like they were trying to do like a teenage Mutant Ninja turtle so you had like street sharks right yes the off the off brand shoots right or you had uh the mighty ducks the animated right. series right which, which was, was also terrible and not about the movie at all no. it was actually about alien ducks that played hockey for whatever reason uh, yeah god knows you if anyone can explain that to me you get a prize right so um i would say for that reason alone and then you had your third type, which was your Disney See, animated cartoons. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, or Disney. I, I'll lump Disney and Nicktoon in together. See, I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break that because okay. when I think of this, there, I think of four segments. There are terrible ones that time forgot, which are all the ones you've mentioned yes. so far. Fair, just you know, dumb licensed property ones that should never have existed yep. or spinoff ones that shouldn't have happened. Okay. Like cheers, the cartoon show, right? which I don't know if that's real. Um, <laughs> if not, everybody the, knows their name anyway. The three main ones that uh-huh. I would consider the three main tracks of nineties cartoon uh-huh. shows, I would consider Nicktoons uh-huh. or Nickelodeon cartoons. Uh-huh. Um, and then I would consider Disney cartoons because okay. they had a different feel. That's true, but and I they mean, definitely felt like all the Disney cartoons felt one in the same, like theme wise, and and a lot of animation style was similar as well. I agree with that. And then the third one would be what I would consider zany cartoons. Okay, and this is a lot of your WB ones. You know, oh, this is gotcha. a lot of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and those. They almost fall into any some of those buckets, and then I would say there were some more what what I would consider quote unquote mature cartoons that weren't adult cartoons, but they definitely dealt with heavier themes than like Nickelodeon or Disney was willing to go through. Um, okay, and they're I, not really zany. I I retract my previous statement. I can get I behind think, that. And 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 some of the things that I'll talk about were some of these shows 
broke the tradition of animation from like the 70s and the 80s where a lot of it was just trace model form shows where they had like five, you know, emotion faces for all the characters. All the animators basically just traced models and then they put, you know, templated scripts to them. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, even shows that I love did that, but like, you know, Scooby-Doo was very much in that vein. All the uh, Hanna-Barbera ones were very much in that vein. And the 90s really started to introduce some animators and some styles that would create what we enjoy today as, like, quality cartoons. And there are a lot today. Yes. You oh, know, today you've got things like, you know, SpongeBob, which technically started in the 90s, but spoiler alert, I don't count it. As a 90s cartoon? Sure. Because it exists. It started for, in 1999. Yeah. Like half a year and then it's Doesn't still count. on today. We're Doesn't talking count. about like television that epitomized the 90s. Right. Right. Like when you think 90s, mm-hmm. you think, oh, this happened in the 90s. Right. I mean, and then you've got like, you know, Gravity Falls, which is amazing. You've got Adventure totally. Time, which is amazing. Like Now you're all- just listing stuff that is clearly not in the 90s. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, but the ones in the 90s paved the way for those to exist. True, and because those are some of the ones the I'm past talk about. Does come before the future, right? It does. <laughs> so technically, you're listen to right. listen to our time travel episode if you want to know more. Oh shit, maybe they Ooh, already have, or maybe this episode is becoming before that episode. My ears hurt. Yeah, my brain hurts. I don't even know what's happening. But that's kind of where I land on these. And a lot of these, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, I would wake up and watch. A lot of these, you know, I would watch after school. Sure. And I was obsessed with a bunch of these. I, I'm with you, man. I'm I'm really excited about so. this list. And like I said, it's not so much that there weren't enough to fill out a full list. I had plenty of choices to put on my list. It's that the ratio of good animated cartoon shows from the 90s versus the plethora oh, man. of shit-tastic There was 90s an explosion cartoon. of shit, cart- shit cartoons in the 90s. It was like... Literally, everyone just got a free pass to make yeah. whatever sort of cartoon they wanted. Yeah. It didn't matter. Insert as evidence the Ghostbusters cartoon. Oh, man. No, that was a good one. <laughs> the real Ghostbusters? Or are it's, we talking about the second, like, when they were like, the extreme Ghostbusters? That, that one. Okay, that one's garbage. Yeah. But to be, well, I guess I guess that would count because the real Ghostbusters, I think, actually came out in the 80s. It did. Um, and that was the shit. It was pretty good. Um, Go back and watch it. It holds up. It's on Netflix. There's a lot of them that do hold up. It's good. It's actually kind of creepy. Like it was a legitimately like creepy cartoon. I, I would, I would agree with that. And I have some on my list that I would consider that fall into that category. Okay, cool. I'm totally into that. I mean, do you want to dive in? Um, or do you have anything else you want to kind of talk yeah. about general wise? No, with I was 90s just cartoons? I, I just um, this is kind of the holy grail for me, man. Like this is a big mm-hmm. this is a big deal, big list. Um, just a little behind the scenes for those who are interested in how the sausage is made. Uh, I actually have a routine when I edit these episodes. I watch '90s kid shows, which is 90s amazing. Animated kids, which I'm sure at least some of the ones that you've watched editing our episodes have made it onto your. Oh, list. for sure, for sure, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> um, for some reason, and this is you know for all those who are really interested in the inner workings of High Five the podcast, <laughs> for some reason. Well, actually, um, if you want to know more about that, check out our side podcast Behind the Five. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's just uh, Werner Herzog yeah. narrates it. Yeah, and the I can't do a Werner Herzog it's, impression. It's, it's a, it's it's behind the five colon 
we know it like the backside of our hands. Ooh, <laughs> I actually really like that, even though I already knew it because it exists. Exactly. And I'm totally, we're totally that's not making thing. it up that's on the thing. spot. That's a thing. That is an actual podcast. Well, it's just these two podcasters <laughs> narrate the dumb, the dumb opinions and ideas to people who aren't listening. <laughs> to no one. The penguins march on. <laughs> um, so... Basically, the gist is uh, the thought process behind this, and I'm going to run this by you and see if this makes sense to you. The reason I do that is for some reason when I watch these kind of shows, it takes me back a to, to that nostalgic place of being This is going to be a very nostalgia-heavy episode. It is, totally. But it... Okay, so when I was a kid, I was at my most creative. Like, everything was new and exciting. I had a million ideas. I was one of those kids that, like... I watched, um, you remember that movie Flubber? Oh, of course. Uh, I had a Weibo toy. Oh, like nice. The little, um, and I deconstructed that, troy, that toy and tried to build an actual Weibo out of it. So I cannibalized a video screen out of a Sega Game Gear That's that I had. Kind of amazing. I put it into it. I tore apart an RC car and put actual like working wheels so I could drive it around. I like this. Um, it was a legitimate like functioning Weibo. I attached a walkie-talkie to it so that I could like nice. talk through it. But as a kid, these kind of things, it's like my imagination was running at like full tilt. And so uh, from for some weird reason, I always found myself because, you know, I'm a big uh, a big sucker for nostalgia. Anyway, you know me, I collect this kind of stuff. But I found myself as I was watching this uh, or as I was watching these, I would get all these like crazy ideas again, like all these zany like kind of things. It was like unlocking the key to the creative cabinet, so to speak. And uh, watch as a podcaster puts in an old DVD of Scooby-Doo while he while he edits an episode on mall movies. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so now it's kind of become a thing. I get a, uh, a Jack and Coke. Nice. I queue up some 90s kid shows. It honestly sounds like a fantastic afternoon. And I fu- and like. I edit. Yeah. And it, it's fucking and the proof is in the pudding, my friend. Cuz these episodes are are, are pretty I mean, stellar. We've already won many awards. Many um imagine What I awards. will say is that I I didn't do any of that what you just described. Okay. Um what I did do is I had a virtual boy when I was a kid. Nice. And I took it apart because it gave me migraines. Wait, are um, we talking about the one that's like all red? Yes. Oh my god, yeah. you actually owned one? I owned I one. I rented one from a Blockbuster. I, that's all you need because once you get that first <laughs> migraine, you can never use it again because <laughs> yeah, right. it immediately sets off epileptic seizures. That's true. Um but for me one of the things that's been really interesting is, you know, as you know, um we had a child recently. Yeah. Just about two years ago. Yeah. And it has been incredibly fun and enjoyable for me to pull out my old VHSs and DVDs of these kids shows. Nice. And introduce her to those as opposed to the garbage that's on television. Sure. Now for kids her age. So she'll sit and she'll watch episodes of some of these old shows and just love them. And I will also get to sit and love them. I actually have to ask you a question that that actually interests me because I was thinking about this while we were prepping for this episode. Um, do you think that that's a generational thing to just think that the cartoons that are current 
our garbage because our parents used to say the same thing to us like these fucking cartoons you guys watch they they make no sense and they're stupid and they're you know I, it's garbage and now we're like no those are fucking fantastic and now we're like the current stuff that's on TV it's fucking garbage I think there's always a generational gap with that I mean it happens with music it happens with movies it happens with cartoons and television shows I mean right. I'll listen to music nowadays that comes out on the radio and be like this is just trash and I mean the difference is I'm right um, <laughs> because I will actually enjoy you know my parents like the classic rock. And sure. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. But I also course. enjoy the music I grew up with. And then there are newer bands that I adopt as well. But I I think there's a, a, a part to that. But honestly, with a lot of these shows, I would watch them with my dad and he would enjoy them just as much as I did. Okay. And so that for me is one thing I keep going back to is like, yeah, these stand up like these hold their quality over time because even back then, my dad, who you know, when I was a kid, seemed like he was eighty years old, would sit and watch these shows and just laugh hysterically with me, and so that, so I had a kind of a different experience. Now there were some, obviously, he was like, "This is garbage." I'm like, "I love this show." Sure, um, but it was more common for him to enjoy it with me, which made a big difference. Which is why I very much want to enjoy, you know, cartoons and things with my daughter. Um, I mean, we have we have a collection of like a three DVD collection of the best Looney Tunes segments. And she'll just sit and watch and just laugh. And I'll sit and just watch and just laugh. And it's fantastic. And I know those aren't 90s cartoons, so it's fun that we discuss it. Yeah, totally. Uh, those those are good. Now, um, I'm really excited about this list. And I'm glad we had the opportunity to kind of discuss what, yeah. what 90s cartoon shows mean to us as children of the 90s. I mean, I, technically, I know we were branded in the 80s, but, you know, we branded. We yes. came up in the 90s. I think my cognizant memory is of most mostly of 90s. Right. Like, I lived the majority of my early years in the 80s sure. and have very vivid memories of those. Of course. But the years that I was establishing who I was and as a person liked. Were, were the 90s. I totally agree. So, I'm stoked on this, man. So, yeah. so Jay, I am ecstatic to hear your list. So I would very much appreciate it. I am ecstatic to start. If you would lay Um, it on to my face. It's it's interesting, too, because when I was putting this together, my initial fear, and I told you this, was that they were all going to be Nicktoons. Sure. Because those are what come to mind first. Of course. Um, And those are some of the ones that we collect. But I think there's only one Nicktoons on my entire list after I really started thinking about it. Amazing. I know. And so my first one is not a Nicktoons. My my number five Uh is... Animaniacs. Okay. 1997's Animaniacs. I'm into it. I, for whatever reason, this one falls into that zany category for me. Sure. Um, this this show for me is just fun from beginning of episode to the end of the episode. You know, it was segmented in that way of being very episodic in yep. a way. Like there's skits throughout. It wasn't always Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. Um, you know, they had all the side characters that were just as funny sometimes to me as the main characters. Um, and again, this was one of those that was back in the heyday of Steven Spielberg, you know, quote unquote, Steven produced and presented by Steven Spielberg. Yes. Um, one of the things I loved about this show, and it actually was an offshoot of one of my honorable mentions, but it was a, it was a spinoff, quote unquote, of Tiny Toons. Right, and I loved Tiny Toons Adventures. Sure. I just thought it was the smartest and not smartest, but greatest 
thing out there. So when this came around and it took the zaniness. Spoilers. Yeah. It took, it's not on my list, by the way. It's an honorable mention. Um, But it took the zaniness to another level. Sure. And that always appealed to me as a kid. Just, it doesn't have to have a moral lesson. It, It just has to be funny. And it just has to be enjoyable, which I always loved. Well, that was, it was, uh, all right, so I can go ahead and tell you, that's on my list. Uh, it's on my list at number four. Ooh, okay, so close. So very close. Not the best, but pretty damn yes. good. But, so we can talk about it. Um, so this was part of what I called the Steven Spielberg-verse of cartoons, there was a whole bunch that kind of came yeah. around this. They had Freakazoid. Uh, which I really enjoyed Freakazoid. Oh, totally. They had Freakazoid. They had Animaniacs. They had Tiny Toon Adventures. They had the Tasmania spinoff. Mm-hmm. They had... Um, which wasn't as good. Pinky and the Brain. But that's a spinoff of Animaniacs. Right. But they had kind of all... And it was this... The style was this very pop culture heavy, like current pop culture heavy. And that's what I loved about it. Yeah. That to me is one, and I have it as one of my notes, is that one of the things that I loved about these WB Steven Spielberg cartoons was their proclivity to include and spoof pop culture. Totally. I mean, one of of the the spinoff characters from Animaniacs was called the Good Feathers. Exactly. And it was a mafia pigeon group. And it was hilarious. Exactly. And they had whole episodes that would spoof, like, you know, Chinatown or you know, Hollywood Boulevard or, you know, these different. There was a Tiny Toons adventure that spoofed um, Citizen Kane, which I always think about for, for whatever reason when I think about Citizen Kane, the Rosebud scene. And it, it's great. And so I loved the pop culture references in this. And. There weren't a lot of other cartoon shows that did it as well as the WB shows. And that's what kind of got me is not only did they have the pop culture references, but they had pop culture references that were clearly not directed at children. Right. Like they were 100% for the parents that were watching. Right. Um, You know, and they had references to musical artists of the time or like inside Hollywood type Mm -hmm. jokes where they're talking about like kind of the production of shows and movies and kind of lampooning like how things got made, how the sausage got made. Like we said, um, which I found, well, as a kid, you and I grew up, I think similarly in that vein in that I was fascinated with the inner workings of the Hollywood studio. So with TV shows, how they got made, how movies got made, Hashtag, how did this get made? Because uh. you have to represent us now. Um, but it it actually made me feel as a kid like like an insider. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, haha, right, Steven Spielberg, yeah. you're making that joke at, you know, Citizen Kane, and that's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Or, like, you're spoofing your own stuff. Right. Which was great. Um, plus, I learned most of my life lessons from anim- Animaniacs. Uh. I know I learned uh, the my countries. You're referencing exactly what I have in my notes. I passed a like a tenth grade state capital quiz uh-huh. because I had memorized Yakko's state capital song. Yeah, from Animaniacs. And you, as a fan of musicals, I thought this would be something that you. Would, oh, of course, uh, uh, because every episode had a musical component right. to it. They they even did a. I remember they had a reference to uh, Pirates of Penzance in one of them. Yeah, the, I am the very model of a modern major general. Yeah. yeah, and they did like this whole, and I always thought that that was so cool, like how they would incorporate, but but they would alter it, 
Oh yeah. To fit their cartoon. And it would be perfect. But they were providing this kind of it's like a it's like a backdoor education. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're like we're going to educate you but you're not going to know that we're educating you because it's fun and silly right. and stupid. And if fun and silly and stupid, yes, but now as an adult like looking at it, when I listen to or watch and I would encourage everyone to do this, like go and find I think it's Yakko that sings the country song. Yeah. Go watch and listen to that song. You can find it on YouTube or we can share it through our yeah. Twitter feed. I think we should do it's that. It's incredibly impressive. Like, structurally, yes. it is unbelievably impressive. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Um, they also did, uh, I learned the friendship song, the German friendship song. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, uh-huh. uh, is this not a piece of bread? Yeah, das ist not a piece of bread. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, I used to have the Animaniacs, like, CD. They put out a, a, maybe oh, a couple I CDs. Had that, I had that, too. That had just all of the, yeah. like, a all compilation the, the of all the Yacko's songs. World yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I loved it. And do you know, so those voice actors who are very, very prominent voice mm-hmm. actors, um, they're, they announced maybe a year ago or something. They're going to go on tour. I did see that doing Animaniacs. It's, it's an Animaniacs yeah. tour and they're going to go and just sing songs. I did see that from the show. Well, and one thing that I really loved about this show and you sort of referenced it, it did sort of, it did kind of give you the feel of insider Hollywood because they lived in the WB water tower on the movie. And lot. they were the Warner brothers. Yeah. And the Warner and sister. The Warner sister. But they also want, and one thing I appreciated, and this was one of my first real forays into understanding what this was, right. was they broke the fourth wall a lot. Oh, all the time. And because of my love for Deadpool, that really jumped out at me sure. as cartoons don't really do this. Right. But they did it in almost every episode. Oh, 100%. And I, I love that. And, <clears throat> you know, to go back to all of their side characters, it wasn't just the Warner Brothers that were amazing about that show, but right. every one of their sketches, w- w- in my opinion, were great. Like Pinky and the Brain oh, yeah. was so great that they've taken on a life of their own. The Good Feathers was hysterical. Totally. I love Slappy Squirrel and all of her um, antics of an angry old squirrel. Rita and... Rita and um, Runt or yeah. something like that. And then I think the one that I liked the most for whatever reason was Buttons and Mindy. Yeah. The dog who didn't speak and the baby who would always almost get I'm herself a, killed. And she would always say, I love you, lady. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. You. Okay, lady. And then she would escape the backyard. And it was sort of like a mini baby's day out situation. Totally. And the dog was always like trying to yes. save her from killing herself. And I, for whatever reason, that type of humor gets to me in my DNA. I love pure straight man slapstick humor. Sure. Where there is just one person who's dedicated to keeping the status quo and everything's going to shit around them. And that skit encapsulated it perfectly. Oh, 100%. I could have watched a whole movie on Buttons and Mindy (laughs) of that dog just (laughs) exasperatingly trying to save this idiotic girl. And it was a... I... I can I still have found it on like I think Amazon Prime has yeah. most of the episodes and I watch it now and it holds up. Oh, because I can be impressed by different things about it. I could not agree more, and that's why it's my number four. And Jay, your number five. My number five, which is solid. Yeah. Um. So we've discussed that one a lot. So I'll move on to my number four. Cool. And then let you do your number five, and then we can. I'm into take it. a commercial break, but um, my number four 
was a show that I didn't laugh as much at, but I think it was a little bit more important than Animaniacs. Okay. Um, and is also not a Nicktoons show. Okay. My number four is Powerpuff Girls from 1998. Mm, okay. Okay, and let me explain why. Sure. Not only did I think it was really, really funny, Okay. but Powerpuff Girls basically launched Cartoon Network. Okay. Powerpuff Girls was the show that gained enough traction that allowed Cartoon Network to make like Johnny Bravo, Cow and Chicken, and all their other shows. I gotcha. And now we have Cartoon Network that gives us things, you know, See, like, I felt like, like Clarence. Are you, are you sure that Powerpuff Girls didn't come after some of those? Because I feel like Johnny Bravo, Dexter's Laboratory predated Powerpuff Girls. Dexter's Laboratory didn't because it's the same animator. Right. And Powerpuff Girls was his Gindy, first. Tartofsky right. or Jindy or um, whatever. I think a couple did come before, but they never gained the audience. Gotcha. And then when Powerpuff Cow Girls came chicken. around. I fucking love that show. It was great. I forgot about it. It was great. That's funny. But Powerpuff Girls gained an audience to give Cartoon Network a hold to say that we're valuable. Okay. I mean, I'm not denying that it was a great show because it definitely was a great show. Right. Um, and, and another thing that I thought was really, really important about it is it was – it introduced extremely strong female superheroes. Yeah. It was an extremely yeah, yeah, yeah. well-written show from what nowadays would be considered a feminist perspective. Oh, I 100% agree with that. But it was definitely. never it was never preachy, but they definitely explored the avenues of what feminists meant. There were even some villains that used feminism and man-hating as their weapon. And the Powerpuff Girls stood against it. I think there's even one where they give a speech. It's like a really cool speech, especially nowadays, where they're saying feminism isn't about destroying these men. It's about believing that men and women are equal. And it's like coming from these artificially created girls. Right. Which is kind of one of those where it didn't. It did give you an education, quote unquote, I guess. But more than anything, it just gave you a different perspective that. For me, as a as a boy growing up in the '90s, I didn't really understand. Sure, and it really appealed to me for some reason to saying that, oh, yeah, of course, like I shouldn't treat people shitty just because they're a different gender. It's yeah, they're they're equal to me. They can be just as badass. They can be just as funny. And the show was really funny. I agree. I and, totally agree with that. And I was actually reading an interview with uh, Jenny or Ganji. Tartakovsky. Yeah, I can't. I I can never Gen- pronounce his name. I, I know it's like G E N N D Y. Yeah, Jindy. I can never pronounce it. But this quote from him on why he Kevin created- Feige <laughs> is I've always loved. It says I thought I would just get a college hit where twenty year olds would watch Powerpuff Girls in their dorms when they were stoned. I never thought it would be as big as it became. It's like, yeah, that's kind of how you create a great show is you make something that you think is really funny, you think is really powerful, and then let the audience come to you. Totally. I mean, that's pretty much how High Five, the podcast, works. I mean, yeah, We uh, just make something that we think is fantastic, and the audience just comes to us. And this was um this was another show that was littered with pop culture references. Totally. That I really like. There's a, there's an episode where they have a scene and it's nearly a word for word recreation of a scene from the Big Lebowski. <laughs> like they use the dialogue and everything. Amazing. And it's great. And then another thing I liked about it was they dealt with a lot of adult themes, like you know dealing with insecurity, dealing with not knowing where you come from because they were artificially created in a lab. Sure. And then some of the villains like 
the villain him. Right, yeah, which show. is like the weird crab-handed lady it's guy the, devil. It's the devil, yeah. Right. And it's this weird kind of transgender evil force of a devil. And it he's ultimately horrifying in the show, like sure. all the scenes that he's in. And it deals with misogyny with like the, the mayor and his non-faced Mrs. Bellum, right. yeah. who is just boobs and legs, basically. Yeah. And you have a... That's <laughs> yes, the monkey with the brain. Yeah. So that show for me, I, I I laugh more at Animaniacs, but for Powerpuff Girls, I think it was more important for where cartoons were going. All right. And it established a network that I think is doing amazing things nowadays and probably wouldn't exist without this show. Um, and then he did go on to do like Dexter's Laboratory and a bunch of others, which... I did really, really enjoy. They're not on my list. They're honorable mentions, but Cow and Chicken is an honorable mention for sure. Oh, definitely. I, I can't tell you how many hours I watched Cow and Chicken. Cow and Chicken. I fucking love that show. It was great. That's solid, man. I think that's a good five and four. So um, in in honor of time, I'm going to change it up this episode. You're going to do your five and four before we do go to a commercial break yes. and then come back and do our top three. Yes. Which are a big deal. They are a big um, deal. So, yeah, that's my, my five. Uh, to, just to recap so far. Jay's five. My uh, my five was Animaniacs from 1997. Uh-huh. Um, and then my number four was Powerpuff Girls from 1998. Nice. I'm into it. Uh, so we've already blown my load all over number on, four. Uh, yeah, number four is my number four. Number four is gone. And we've talked about it. Anus maniacs. But, <laughs> uh, but I need to know your number five. And I will tell you. Okay. Uh, Jay, my number five is Ren and Stimpy. Yay. Uh, now I'll tell you why. Okay. So here's kind of how I broke down my list. And you're going to see this through the, through, you know, the reveal of the rest. I picked a show that was representative of a different niche of animated shows throughout the nineties. So each of my picks based, (laughs) based on what it represented in the, pantheon of 90s kid shows the zeitgeist yes so for me ren and stimpy represents a very culturally clear example of kind of this type of animated show that we got in the 90s uh-huh. which was this very gross out intense uh, yes. adult humor um i would say this is in the line with your beavis and buttheads this is in the line with um I really, those were the two that my parents forbid me to watch. Really? Yeah, because they were totally into that whole, like, you cannot watch Ren and Stimpy. It's I know, disgusting. I know a lot of people who were forbade to watch that show. Yeah. I grew up, I, def, I definitely watched it. Oh, I watched it. I was forbade to watch <laughs> but it. But you did. But I watched the fuck out of it. Um, I mean, and a lot of cartoons use that. I mean, even SpongeBob will use that to a degree pretty regularly now. Oh, totally. But, so, this show... Um, it, ca- it premiered in 91, mm-hmm. so it's the early part of the 90s. Yeah. Um, you've got John Kay, who is the the creator of this show, right. also known as John Kretofiusi. Yeah. Or uh, I just refer to him as his company, Spunko. 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 Um, but for me, this cartoon show represented something very different. It was not... I, I own them on DVD. Um, they... The show definitely deteriorated in its later seasons, but its first couple seasons yeah. were extremely cutting edge. 
They were extremely different than anything right. else that was in the market, especially for children around right. that time frame. Um, now, just it, to be clear, you're talking about the original run, not, and not the, lost the, like, the MTV reboot yeah. where they are actually having anal right. sex. Not, not Ren and Stimpy's adult party okay. cartoon, which came later. That's it, the, which was the reboot. It's not hard to watch. And I actually didn't enjoy it, even yeah. though John Kay has come out and said that that was... That was originally his intention for this show. Right. Um, Because much like we kind of talked about in our opening uh, little bit, um, cartoons kind of got free reign in the 90s. There wasn't a lot of oversight. So a lot of these shows just did things. It was basically kind of just do it until somebody says you can't do it. Well, an interesting thing. You know why the later seasons of that show deteriorated, right? Well, yeah, because he left. Yeah, uh, left. Well, he got out. he got yeah. fired. Yeah, um, from which he adamantly from not, his cartoon. Yeah. He adamantly denies that. Right, that but he, it, the fact is, he definitely got yes. removed um, because he was a big proponent of the really like intense, dark side of the cartoon, and it, it Nickelodeon kind of woke up and was like, "Holy shit, man! Like, we can't have him do we, this. We can't yeah. do this. Like, they had you know alcoholic characters. They had um, some really like deeply disturbing kind of relationships between characters. Yes, uh, they sure did. They had, um, but but it also had some of my favorite things. It had log, yes. which I still know the song to now. Do you know? Oh, of course. So it's it's log, it's log, it's big, it's heavy, it's wood, it's log, it's log, it's better than great, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, it also had Don't Whiz on the Electric Fence. <laughs> Don't Whiz on, on the Electric, electric Fence. <laughs> yeah, it also had uh, Powdered Toast Man. Powdered <laughs> Toast Man. <laughs> and Mr. Horse. Yes, which is like, no, sir, I don't like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is one of my favorite things. But it had the Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy yeah, song. Which we referenced earlier. Absolutely. Um, and it, it just had a bunch of really, so it also had this interesting thing where they would do, so it's a very classically animated show. And then when they wanted to show things in like grotesque detail, it would go to these really highly detailed yes. drawings of like characters with like eyes bulging or like veins popping out or like huge zits on their yeah. face or just, I mean, they're like, they were like production stills from an art gallery. Yeah. They're, gr- but they're they were grotesque. Yes. Like they were just horribly grotesque um but i loved it like it was this thing where you know it was it felt like a legitimate stream of consciousness yes like it was just each episode had a very loose mm-hmm. story structure but mainly was just following ren who's a chihuahua and stimpy his idiot cat friend right um and roommate, Rin, I guess. Rin, yeah. And Rin was the, you know, kind of the archetypal like megalomaniac right. kind of hothead, like oh, Who always coming up with these plans. Right. You're so stupid, Stimpy. And Stimpy was just the innocent, like goofball, like just eating cat litter and ruining dummy. Rin's plans. Yes. Yeah. And like hawking up hairballs all <laughs> over the place. It was just weird and gross. Well, and, and to, you know, the thing that you were saying about stream of consciousness, one of the things that I always think about when I think about Rin and Stimpy is how a lot of these shows were very systematic where, you know, you take like something like Rugrats or you take a Doug. They all came out around the same time. Like this was one of the first batch of quote unquote Nicktoons. Yeah, this was, so this one followed, um, this came out at the, the same time as Rugrats and Doug. Okay. And those are good examples to use as, as comparisons because like with Doug, you know, he lived in his town 
He was, you know, always chasing Patty. He had his friends. Sure. Uh, he was always, you know, butting heads with Roger. But with with Ren and Stimpy, there was almost no through line except for just the characters. They could live in different places. They, yep. you you would pop in in the middle of stories that you didn't know where didn't they matter. would be going to space. It could have like weird commercial segments that had nothing to do with anything else that had ever been done. I mean, it was very non systematic. Sure. So, uh, also a great, um, you know, companion piece to this or information regarding these other cartoons is, uh, this one starred, well, initially John K voiced Ren, Ren. uh, and then you had the wonderful Billy West who did, who did Doug. Yeah. Doug, Roger and Doug. Right. Um, Um, all of Futurama pretty much. Right. Um, he's Fry. Yeah. That's what people most know. And he's a bunch of other characters. Right. But, uh, Billy West (laughs) played Stimpy and Mr. Horse. That's right. And after John K got, he left, I'm doing major air quotes. (laughs) Uh, he actually took over Ren, so he yeah. vo- he voiced both Ren and yeah. Stimpy on the show, which I think is awesome. And he's actually, and I don't know if this was a political move, but I read an interview with him where he backed up Nickelodeon's decision on that. Yeah. And basically said John Kay was incredibly hard to work with. Yeah. No, it, he did. Yeah. And so it w- that was kind of like the big like controversy. Is, is like the staff of the show kind of turned against yeah. John Kay, you know? Um, but yeah, so it... It squarely fills that that space for me in 90s TV shows of that really hard adult humor unfiltered for children mm-hmm. that, you know, like I said, it only lasted for a little while before standard, think standards three and seasons practices total, hit total. it and was like, no, it was five total. But even it was inclu- the like second not including season. the lost. Episodes. Correct. It was really? five, five seasons on Nickelodeon. No, it ran 91 to 95. Wow. Um, But. After it hit, you know, standards and practices, then that's when John <laughs> K left voluntarily, major air quotes, um, and the show changed and it just became a, a more tame version, which while still funny because the characters are funny, right? Um, at least they had a rhythm at that point. It was what made it classic in my mind was that super edgy, yes, biting humor, yes, um. So that's why it's my number five. That so is I think a, it's a, that is a good choice. Yeah. So my that was my number five, and then uh, my number four was Animaniacs, as we discussed. I really like it so far. Uh, me too. I feel like we're we're hitting on some good points. Um, I feel like um, you know, the next three for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you because I I chose them in the way that I did. I chose them in that like they each kind of represent mm-hmm. a different you know, part of the Pantheon. I, I'm going to say that my numeric, where they fall numerically on my list really is no reflection on either of the shows really? or any of the shows. Okay. I think they all are pretty even for me. I feel that way about my one and two, but I had to list them. Yes. Um, That's the so, whole point of this. Show. So I listed them. I think people will see that it was kind of by like cultural relevance. Um, but ultimately I think they are all very even cause they represent very different things yeah. for each thing. Well, damn, now I'm really excited to get to your top three. I know I am too. Are but, you going to, by the way, are you going to edit in the, after these messages, we'll be right back of, a song. Of Im- cor- okay. Of course I am. Okay, good. Come on. Good. What do you think yeah. I am? Some sort of amateur? Well then I think we should probably just go to commercial then. Bye. Bye.
to follow a grueling course of commands. Yes, sir! Good. This is brain shift when it says red. You'd better shift to red. Begin. Orange, white, yellow, player, four. Ah. Yellow, red, player, three. Ah. First player to miss cleans the car with this. Orange, white, all right, red, green. Is your brain shifted? Yes, sir! Brain shift from Tiger. Battery's not included. New flavor wave from Fruit by the Foot gives you wave after wave of intense fruity taste. When it gets bluer, you're hit with more Ocean Punch flavor. My turn! New Fruit by the Foot flavor wave. The waves go on and on and on. We're back. I took a break. I got some cereal. Did you? To some cereal and milk so we can listen, sit milk down and, and listen cereal. to these Saturday morning cartoons that we're talking about. Yep. Um, most of these weren't on Saturday morning, um, full disclosure. Correct. Some of them, uh, like Ren and Stimpy, were on SNCC. SNCC. Oh, SNCC. Yeah, come take oh. a seat on the big orange couch. Which, by the way, it took me like three years to realize that was just Saturday, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jay, look. They said it in the promo. I know. They're like, come check out Snick. Saturday Night Nick. I know, but I mean, I never really put it together. 
um, because I was an idiot and I was paying more <laughs> attention to Forrest Whitaker on Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> and his lazy eye. Yeah. Is that what was throwing you off? It was horrifying. What about Jay Burrichell? He was on that show. Oh, yeah, he was on that show. Well, uh, it was a very Canadian I'm show. I'm pretty sure Ryan Gosling yeah. was on an episode of that. It was a very, well. very Canadian show. For sure. I think Mike Myers is in there somewhere. What was that all about? <laughs> it was a boot scary stuff. Was it? Oh, but so- it wasn't a cartoon, so oh, it can't be on this so- list. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm real you. sorry. Hi. <laughs> uh, all right. So back to our list, man. Yeah. So, so Jay, we have our top three. That's right. Which are big. I'm excited. Um, these they, are they the are most. Big. These are the most important ones to it's me. Huge. Oh, they're huge. No. 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 Thank you. Right. Pass. Fair Hard enough. pass. Fair enough. Speaking of um, cartoon characters. Yeah. Oh am I God. right? Oh my God. <laughs> um, oh my God. <laughs> I can't. I can't even. I don't even. I have nothing. I have nothing for that. Oh uh, god. Oh, I just want to grab a pussy and keep going. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he does. That's a new show. Like that's the show. It's called just grab a pussy and, <laughs> and keep, keep going. going. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll they do let it. you. You're a Saturday morning cartoon character. Yeah. Everybody wants to know you. Um. So diving back into my list. Yes. I mentioned cereal for Saturday morning cartoons. My number three actually was a Saturday morning cartoon okay. that I watched every single week. Foreshadowing. It is. Um, and my number three is X-Men, the animated series. Nice. From 1992. Nice. I was obsessed with this show. Yeah. When I was growing up, you know, as you know, I was, I was a big fan of reading comic books. But for whatever I reason, the X-Men animated series almost overtook my love of the X-Men comic books. I, I can understand that. Um, I, it's not on my list, but I'm going to talk to you about it. Um, for me, I actually am more aware of the cartoon series mm-hmm. than I am of some of the comic book storylines. Well, and were I, th- around then. and I think that that is very common. One of the reasons is because that show was fantastic about adapting the comic book storylines and arcs. Oh, like almost as perfectly as as it could be done. Sure, you know this is one that I wouldn't say falls into the classic kid, you know, animation styles. Sure. It was very realistic at, as much as an X Men story it had, about mutants there was can that, be. Was it? Um, what was the name of that animation company? All of their shows kind of had a similar feel. Mm-hmm. It was like I think very, they did Spider Man too. Yeah, it was like very minimally animated. Animated. It was very minimally animated. Animorphaminated. As far as their Animorphs. That's a show from the nineties. <laughs> uh, cartoon. That, it was cartoony. Uh, that their faces had a lot of movement, mm-hmm. but like the rest of the animation yeah. was like real stilted. And this is actually a show that I we have introduced our daughter to and she enjoys. Nice. And I can still enjoy it. It does hold up. Sure. But one of the things that I really liked about this show was that it, to your point, I read a lot of the comic arcs, but when I think about classic story arcs in the uh-huh. X-Men universe, it's the cartoon that I remember. That's what comes to mind. Yeah, that's it. what immediately comes to mind. I mean, and it sort of introduced and cemented itself in my mind. Some of these gigantic story arcs, like, you know, Trask and the Sentinels was one of their first series was first couple episodes um days of future past they did a three episode arc on that it introduced the the, you know the villain apocalypse to a lot of people totally it even did the dark phoenix saga absolutely all of these tentpole x-men storylines were represented in this show and it is for you know for a while 
um, was the one that I always thought about when I thought about X-Men. You know, nowadays we have the movie franchises that I think younger generations would, would, that would be their go-to. Sure. But I, to this day, think that the cartoon did those stories better justice than the movies are doing now, especially things like the apocalypse storyline. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, there's no question about it. the Dark Phoenix yep. uh, saga with you know X Men Three: The Last Stand was just bastardized beyond all belief. Sure. The the con the the series on Saturday mornings was able to do it so much better, and it was in that run. You know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was in that run. Um, X Men, Spider Man, they all kind of were in an, an hour and a half block. Plus, it allowed for some pretty amazing. Um, there was that run of YouTube videos a while back. That, uh, the juggernaut people, bitch. I'm the juggernaut bitch. It gave us one of the first and most memorable video memes that yeah. the internet produced. So much so that they'd actually got incorporated into the third X-Men movie. It did. When Juggernaut appears, he's like, I'm Juggernaut, bitch. Which, okay, I don't even want to talk about that. That's garbage. You mean the Brett Ratner cinema classic? Garbage. X-Men 3? It's garbage. What was it called? X-Men 3 X-Minier? X-Men 3 Who Gives a Shit <laughs> is what it's three, called. A good day to X-Men harder. <laughs> <laughs> X-Men, the X-Minier and the Furious. Yeah, that's what it yeah. was. I think that what that was it. Um, I mean, now critics are correct that it basically shed a lot of their side characters that a lot of people cared about, like Kitty Pride, not really involved. Cable didn't really have a big, you know, to do in the show. So there were sure. a lot of things that I think got missed. Sure. But it was, and I'm not sure if this is true anymore, but for the longest time, it was the longest running Marvel based comic, uh, Marvel based cartoon series. On television, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say sure. I because that it, feels right. Yeah. I mean, nowadays you have some DC ones that have run for a while. I mean, uh, like Teen Titans has run for what feels like forever, right? Um, but you know, this was the one the Marvel universe had that was mainstream pop culture, very popular before the Marvel Cinematic Universe was created and got everybody on board. Sure, um, absolutely. And this is the, you know, video games were based off of this series. Some of the I, best. I had one for Sega Game Gear. Damn right you did. Is that the one where you could pick your character before every level? Fuck yeah, it was. And I always picked Wolverine or Beast. I always picked Wolverine or Cyclops. Actually, Cyclops had the range weapon, so you could, true. like, shoot bad guys from, like, a distance. You know what? Actually, on that game, I always picked Gambit. Because nice. this show cemented for me Gambit as my favorite character. For sure. I mean, in the comics, as he's written, you can tell and you know from his backstory that he's Cajun, but the show doubled down on that, like on his shmarm and on his Cajun-ness. I had a dream casting back in the day uh -huh. when they were originally going to do Was it Channing Tatum? <laughs> no. It was an old potato face Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Have you seen that? By the way, they have a BuzzFeed article yeah. that was like twelve potatoes that look like. Why Channing Tatum. That's why I'm laughing because it's uh, hilarious. Channing Potatum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Dreamcasting. You ready for this? Uh huh. Harry Connick Jr. Back, like back in when they back made in the, the day, first Harry X Men. Jr.? When they made the first X Men, and he was doing his acting shit. I think he had that kind of like. Louisiana swag. I can kind of get on board with that. Here's who I would have at that time. Here's who I would have cast. Um, Josh Holloway. Or Sawyer from Lost. 
that wasn't going on. I'm talking about when they made the first X Men. Oh, I still think like Sawyer from Lost would have been a two thousand would have been a good gambit. You think so? Better than Taylor Kitsch. Uh, but that's true. But let's be fair. Most things are better than Taylor <laughs> Kitsch. That is. Except he was on that of, show that you loved. Outside of Friday Night Lights, which he is incredible in. And, and cinema classic, John Carter of Mars. Yeah. I was going to say uh, Battleship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Starring Rihanna. Yeah. Um, and Liam Neeson's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, credit where credit's due. He's pretty good in Savages with Aaron. Oh, I forgot about with that. With Aaron movie. Taylor Smith or whatever it is. Um, he's pretty damn good in that. But outside of that and Friday Night Lights, there's not a lot to love about him. Um, but I think I think uh, Holloway or Sawyer from Lost could because he had that. Sh- he had the smarm. He had the swagger. He I think he could have done, you know, he could have pulled off the accent probably. Um, but this show, going back to my actual pick. This show cemented for me his character, and he was a. Th- this is one of the big changes from the the comic arc, but I did love how they made him a vital part of the Days of Future Past storyline. Oh, yeah. He because yeah, he's the yeah, one yeah. that's it's not Nightcrawler or yeah it's not um, Mystique. It's him who was supposed to be you know the one to assassinate the president, start the whole war, and end the world. But it was Mystique pretending to be right him, to be him. So, Solid. So that for me, it was a show I watched every Saturday. It, I mean, regardless of what else I may have missed, I did not miss an episode of X Men. And I have gone back a couple times and watched. I think they're on Hulu or Amazon Prime, one of the two. And I have gone back and rewatched the entire series. And I will say that outside of some wonky animation bits, and outside of the last two seasons when you can tell they outsourced the animation to like Asia, um. It, the first three seasons of that show hold up extremely well. Nice. So that, for me, is is a big one. I think it's a solid choice, man. I like yo number three. All right. Now number two. And as I said earlier, sort of like what you said, number two and number one are sort of interchangeable for me. Okay. I had to rank them, so I did. Got it. But number two is... Batman the Animated Series. Nice. From 1992. Cool. I'm going to commiserate with you. It is also my number two. Is it? High five. Yes. High five on that. High five. Okay, uh, well then, you want to just chat about it? Yeah, let's together? talk about it because it's one of, I mean. How you know, great is that show? It's amazing. It's probably the best a- Batman adaptation ever. Oh, I would say most definitely. Also, it is, and I would, um, obviously you ranked it higher. I'm going to say it is quite possibly the best animated adaptation of comic books ever. I would agree. I think it is. it kind of took pieces from all of, and I don't want to steal your time here. No, no, this is our time. It took, this is our time. It took, um, it took pieces of the Batman kind of canon and history things that people identified with. It had sort of a shared look with the Burton kind of shared design look and sound with Danny Elfman doing the score for it. Correct. But and the, I would say that his score for that show is almost as iconic as the stuff he did for the movies. Oh, and he, he, he merged them in a way where they felt related. Definitely. But it also had this kind of timeless feel that felt more like the sixties detective comics mm-hmm. kind of feel than the Burton movies yeah. did. Um, so they mixed in like all of these parts that kind of work together to make this 
extremely timeless feeling yes. television. And if show. you talk about shows that hold up, this one does beyond belief. I hold watch up. it regularly yes. still. Well, and <clears throat> you had mentioned, you know, bringing in that detective comics feel. I one of the things that I love about this show and you know, you are as well as myself and you probably more so than me, but we're huge Batman oh, fans. Oh man. For I mean, sure. we have a Batman 10 poster in our recording studio and I have right I have now. a Batman logo tattooed upon my you skin. Do, you do. Um but this in my opinion offered the best and most well-rounded Batman that's ever been put on any sort of captured in any sort of medium. Um because it pulled in his detective skills. That's right. He, he is the world's greatest detective yes. on this show. And it you know, all the movies just show him beating people up, which is fun to watch. And, you know, George it's Batman, has, the brawler. Yeah, has nipples and all that good stuff. Cod piece. But this show really showed him having to outsmart villains on a regular basis. And which and this show and I've mentioned it in some of our other episodes, but the Riddler is my favorite Batman villain. Okay. Um, I think the Joker is just iconic beyond belief. Sure. And we'll get to him in just a second because sure. we have to talk about him. But this show cemented for me the Riddler as my favorite because of how much it played up the idea of great minds battling sure. against each other. And we talked about the Riddler before, and I told you my favorite version of the Riddler is still the Frank Gorshin 66. You did. Batman. Riddler. And, and I, I don't still think he is the best. I don't disagree, and I'm not. I'm not critiquing the quality of that at all. Sure. But for me, this version, the cartoons version of the Riddler, right. it had a very iconic look and suit to him. Sure. And every time he was in an episode, or every time he was the antagonist of an episode, it was very much a puzzle or a mystery or sort of this. Uh, evil Rube Goldberg almost. And I always loved that beyond belief. And those were my favorite Batman stories is when he couldn't fight his way out of something. Sure. He had to puzzle his way out of totally. something. And I will say in merit to that, um, you know, and you had mentioned the Joker, one of the things that made this show iconic and continues to make it iconic. Absolutely. I would say is the fact that this show may have some of the best or most important voice casting ever for one, an animated television. One of show. my notes for the show is just all caps Kevin Conroy. He is <laughs> definitively Batman. Yes. Like that voice is now synonymous and it's not just because he voiced a cartoon series and they were good with product placement and mm -mm. they put him in everything. His voice Somehow he channels that Bruce Wayne and yeah. Batman character so iconically that now, I mean, he still continues to do it post yeah. Batman the animated series. Well, I mean, even the the Killing Joke had him, and it was Absolutely. a huge thing. He um he he did the voice for the Arkham games. Yes, he sure sure as hell did. Um, but his voice to me, like when I if I'm reading a Batman comic, mm -hmm. his voice is what I'm hearing. Yes. When I hear Batman talking. And with in that vein, when I'm reading a Batman comic, Mark Hamill's voice is who I hear for Joker. And it is so beyond perfect. I mean, if you and honestly, for everyone who's listening to this, go back into our back catalog and look for our other stuff too. Our episode, Joker episode where we talk about the Joker in all of his forms. 
and we spend a lot of time talking about Mark Hamill because we share the thought that he is the best embodiment of the Joker that's ever been put that's on right. screen. That's right. And while and what's crazy is he's able to do that without even actually physically performing a character. Correct. It is all his interpretation through his voice work. Now, I'm going to say something right now that may cause an internet backlash against us. Oh god. But I'm going to stand by it. And uh, I want backlash s- only at Jay. And I want to see what your thoughts are on this. Okay. I think Mark Hamill's performance as the Joker uh-huh outshines anything he did in Star Wars. Oh, well that's yeah. I, I mean, I, I know that Luke that's Skywalker an, is an iconic character and it's what made him To be fair though. The Mark Hamill is an iconic character. It is no one is awarding him Academy Awards for his performances. No, he's not. I mean, he's not getting Academy Awards for this either. He should. But he should. That's what I'm saying. So, like, no, I don't think anybody, no matter how big of a nerd fandom they are, I don't think anybody would argue with you that while the character of Luke Skywalker is iconic, his performance was nothing to write home about. It was It was. It was serviceable. Yes. He looks... Like what people recognize as as Luke Skywalker, but his performance what it wasn't like he embodied Luke Skywalker. He was he just played yeah. a whiny, <laughs> yes, kid. He embodies the Joker. He, absolutely, one hundred percent. He becomes and his voice. Now something to speak a, a you know to tie it back to the Star Wars thing. His voice doesn't. It's not even Mark Hamill anymore. It's not. And that's people to this day do not know that he's the voice of that Joker. I mean, even my wife, we had a long conversation. I was like, yeah, it's Mark Hamill. And she goes, wait, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, that's Mark. That's Luke Skywalker. Right. And she's like, no. And it's, it. I mean, it's not like a Frank Welker. It's nope. not like a Billy West where nope. he can be a thousand different things. He can be this perfectly. Exactly. Then... Not only did the show bring us that, you've got the animation style founded by Bruce Timm, mm-hmm. who f- this was one of the first animated shows that had, it was a animated show done on a black background. Yeah. So beforehand, it was always background scenes were drawn or colored onto white background paper. So everything had this really light feel to it. Right. Cartoony. Well, right. So when Bruce Timm pitched it, he pitched that the show needed to feel dark and mm-hmm. needed to have Gotham city needed to feel like perpetual night, like the DC comics. And so what happened is he said he developed basically this new style and said, okay, we're going to do all of the backgrounds on a dark background. And it gave <laughs> this animated show a, uh, a s- cinematography or cinema, I don't even know how to, how to say yeah. this. A cinematic feel unlike any other cartoon series that came out in the 90s. And I would say from a design standpoint, it's probably one of the most textured and beautiful cartoons totally. or animated series that's been on television. I will agree with that. So you had Bruce Timm, the genius of Bruce Timm. You had the genius of Kevin Conroy and of Mark Hamill. You had Paul Dini, mm-hmm. who has now cemented himself as one of the best Batman writers that has ever touched the character of Batman responsible for the creation of Harley Quinn. That's that's what I was going to bring up next. Yeah, actually Um, is. And this is again, a a little tidbit that a lot of people do not realize the animated series 
created the Harley Quinn character. Yeah. They did it as a kind of a one-off. It became so popular that they introduced her into the DC comic universe, and now she's synonymous with the Joker and the Batman story. Yeah, absolutely. And and is currently one of the hottest like properties yeah. going right now, thanks to the shit-tacular Suicide yeah. Squad movie. I mean, Margot Robbie's going to reprise the now, role. I will say she was she perfect. Killed, she killed she it. Was, it was perfect Kudos casting. to Margot Robbie for that. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I can't think, and maybe I'm just blanking on it, but I can't think of another property that was an adaptation of an existing property that introduced a major character from oh, the into canon. Yes. Like it became a canon character. Yes. Um, no, I, I'm with you. I think, but that once again, that speaks to the genius of Paul Dini, mm-hmm. Paul Dini who created her, but Paul Dini also, and for all of you who haven't played these, or think, well, how could a video game of adaptation of something be good? I cannot stress enough the amount of actual storytelling that went into yeah. the Arkham Asylum. Arkham City. Arkham City. And then Arkham Knight. Yes. There's another one in there that we just won't talk about. Like right. Arkham Beginnings got, or something. Origins. Origins. We won't talk Which about that Which doesn't count. One. It wasn't written by <clears throat> Paul Dini. And it wasn't done by the same studio. But all of the rest of them, written by Paul Dini, amazing stories. Yeah. Also featuring Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. So it's, right. it's basically getting an adult version yeah. of the Bat... Which I'd argue that maybe even the Batman animated series was the adult version of now, Batman the animated now series. Now I have to ask you this. Um, I know the actress who was the voice of Harley Quinn. Her name was like Anna Sorkin. Is uh, she related to Aaron Sorkin? Uh, that's Do a you good know? question. I don't well, know that. And you can look it up while I'm talking, but there were a couple other things that I wanted to point out about this show that really elevated it beyond like a normal campy cartoon show. Um, one of the things about it that I really loved was the tragic nature of their villains. Outside of the Joker, who was just an agent of chaos, all of the other villains had incredibly in-depth backstories. You know, like Clayface... You, you felt why and you understood why they became the villains that they were. Riddler was the same way. Penguin was the same way. Like, they were extremely textured. They were extremely layered. And you felt bad for them. But they were a perfect juxtaposition against uh, Batman and the Dark Knight because he was in the same position. They were all people that who had dealt with trials, but they had given in to their dark impulses and didn't decide to do anything good with them. Whereas Batman had the same type of things happen in his life, but he decided to not embrace those dark impulses and become an agent for good. And another thing about this show that I did love was that it did not dwell on the goddamn Bruce Wayne backstory. Oh, I'm with you. The whole Martha and nope. and Martha. Mr. Mr. Wayne getting shot in an alley. Right. Yes, they reference it, but that is it is few and far between because the true it's struggle, not Batman Year One. Yes, it is uh, the struggle of Batman is trying to understand how to be this force of good in a world that doesn't want one. One hundred and ten percent agreed. So to answer your question real quick. She's not related oh. at all. She, her name is Sorkin, though. It is Sorkin. And, but on her on her wiki page, it actually says unrelated <laughs> to Aaron Sorkin. I, I can imagine it's a common question. Sure. 
Um, but man, I cannot agree more. Like I'm so with you, um, that, you know, this show deserves the number two spot for yeah. sure. Honestly deserves. It, it could have been number one. It could have easily been number Absolutely. one. Absolutely. It's, um, it, like you said, not only was it fantastic in the nineties, but it's fantastic now. And I firmly believe that it will continue to be yeah. fantastic forever. Like it will always hold up as kind of a, a linchpin yeah. of the the Batman canon. Matt, I think that's on what you just said was so beautiful. I think that's on the the DVD box cover. It is. It is. Uh, it 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 was and is and will always continue to be beautiful. High five of the podcast queue. That's right. That's what it says. That's what it says. I don't know if you know that, but I'm a pretty big deal. I don't. I I can't follow that up. That is a perfect assessment of why I love the show as much as I do. Fantastic. So, Good. That's my number two. I could easily a, be number one. A damn fine number two. My number one only holds the spot because I truly just enjoyed it more. Okay. And I don't mean enjoyed it from like a, it was beautiful and textured and creative. Right. It's just one that when I think back on my time in the nineties, watching cartoons it is the first thing I think about. Okay. And it's Ren and Stimpy. Wow! Yes. Oh man! My and number, I put it so low. It was you, only my number you, five. You did, and and it made me sad. And I and I know that normally we'll when you say one that's on our list, we'll share. But since it's my number yeah, one, yeah, you didn't want to reveal. I didn't want to reveal. Ren and Stimpy was easily my favorite television show of the nineties. Okay. Uh, especially when it comes to cartoons, I watched it every time it was on. I saw every rerun. I've seen every episode of that show multiple, multiple, multiple times. Totally fair. Everything you mentioned about it is why is part of the reason why it's number one for me. I laughed hysterically at all the jokes. I loved the sarcastic, sardonic humor. I loved the fact that there were no morals to it whatsoever. Um, and Kevin K or Kevin K? John John, John K. K John K has basically come out and said that. He wanted to design a show with absolutely no moral messaging because that's all that existed. He said, kids learn in school, kids learn in church, and they get bossed around by their parents. I want to give them nothing but pure entertainment for half an hour. And I think he truly did that. Sure. Um, and his logline for the show, the way he describes it to people, and I— I don't I don't agree with every word that he says in this, but I'm going to quote him okay. of how he describes the show. He goes, at its heart, it's all, all it is is a show about a psychotic little asshole and his retarded friend who ruins everything that he does. <laughs> and yeah, that's that exactly kind of what, what the show is. Sure. Now, outside of my just pure love for this show, and we've talked about some of the side characters and Powder Toast Man is... May flies on his butt backwards and just all the little things that he did. One of the things that actually was groundbreaking about what he did for this show was that this is the show that officially broke the model of animation for the industry. Oh yeah. And I, I mentioned it before, but before this show and even shows that, you know, John K worked on before he started, um, Ren and Stimpy, was all done off of templated traced models of character designs. It's like if, you know, Fred from Scooby-Doo is excited, he looks like this. If he is sad, he looks like this. Right. John K refused to do that. So every still of every episode was hand drawn by one of the animators. 
in whatever style or whatever vision they had for exactly how that character would look right then. And he said he had a huge problem with that because in the early shows that he worked on, they were said, oh, we'll just trace these models. This is what he looks like happy. And he said, have you ever been to a party with people? Like everyone can be happy, but everyone ex- it shows that differently. There are thousands of ways to show someone being happy. So there will be no models on Ren and Stimpy, which <laughs> it changed the way animation was done. It's such sure. a stupid, gross little show, but it completely changed the animation style for the industry. And just like you mentioned, it introduced those grotesque little stills that was used again on a reference SpongeBob. It was used in Rocco's Modern Life. It was used in All Real Monsters. It's used right. in shows nowadays. That type of humor and design and love and joy for the sheer enjoyment of the show is what cartoons now are based oh, totally. off of. And then um, another thing that I, I really loved about it, and this is something I read a long time ago when I was researching it, but you had mentioned Stream of Consciousness. Yes. There were no scripts for any of the shows. The animators would come up with a storyboard, and every episode of the show or every sketch of the show was pitched by an animator for something that he wanted to draw, and then they would put a script Absolutely to amazing. it. Which it is. It is amazing. That it got made. That it got made, (laughs) that it lasted at all. Unfortunately, you know, Nick parted ways with John Kay because he was apparently a a pain to work with. Um, There's And you can look it up online, but he has released files of notes that he was given on the show. And what he would do with the notes from the studio execs is he would add annotations to them and send them back. (laughs) <laughs> and there are segments of it. And the one that I remember vividly is there was a note from the show that said, um, you have to, you can't include a commercial break. You have to end the sketch before the commercial break. So it has to be 11 minutes because adding a commercial break in the middle of the sketch doesn't make sense. And then he circled doesn't make sense with an arrow. And he said, yeah, but cats can talk great. And just sent that back to them. And it's just, you know, I'm not saying I'm not justifying how hard he was to work with. Sure. But the fact that all he cared about was making a show that was important to him was great. Oh, 100%. And it did, especially animation design, stand out miles against the other shows that were there because John Kay was obsessed with the 1940s and 50s. Right. And so if you look at it, like the houses look like the 1950s, the the costumes. A lot of the characters. A lot of the characters look like the 19. 19- he was obsessed with those decades. That, that so, like really like retro yep. feel. And everything feels like that way in the show. And it was just great. It was great. And then you mentioned Billy West, which was a note of mine because, you know, he did Doug, which was before kind of before around the same time right and then has gone on to do everything else i mean we've mentioned futurama hell he was bugs in space right, jam yeah, yeah. and elmer fudd in space jam he was invader zim he's on the oh, Ob- that's right yeah he's on the oblongs yeah and i mean he he's like the frank welker of not of being frank actually welker. talking yeah because frank welker does a lot of like just animal dog sounds. sounds and like that tree 
is right. Frank Welker somehow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Billy West is sort of the animation kid. Yeah. And John Kay, in my mind, blazed a trail for animation to be what it is. Um, at least nowadays. I think you have provided a very solid argument so, as to why it is your number one. So yes, that is, and and it is. There was no question in my mind ever about it. And like I said, quality wise, it and Batman. I'm not going to say it's a better show than Batman. Sure, sure, sure. I, I couldn't justifiably make that statement. Right. But it is more important to me, and I think that it has stakeholders, and especially as it came a year before Batman the Animated Series, it at least has a tentpole to say that it sort of blazed the ground for what animation could become. I totally, totally understand and agree with you. So it is, that is my number one. Nice. So recap your list for me, man. You bet. Uh, number five was Animaniacs from 1997. Nice. Number four is Powerpuff Girls from Year of Our Lord 1998. <laughs> I dig it. Um, number three is X-Men the Animated Series from 1992. Number two is Batman the Animated Series, also from 1992. And uh, number one is Ren and Stimpy from... 1991. I almost went backwards in chronological order. Had Powerpuff Girls been number five, I would have just gone totally. backwards through the decade. Totally. But I would say all of yours squarely planted in the 90s. Oh, yeah, of course. So solid. Most of their, outside of Powerpuff Girls, all of them only existed in the 90s. I think sure. Powerpuff Girls lasted until 2002 or something. Right. But all the rest of them. Did not last. Lived and died. Did not last into the 2000s. Totally. Um, And then I do have some just honorable mentions that I want to mention if they're not in your top three. All right. So So we'll do the top three and then we'll do those. Uh, So, all right. Here we go. Which we know you're number two, but I'm curious you're three and one. I'm very curious of your three and one. Because I would have bet money your number one would have been Batman. I'd have bet money on it. It almost was, but... Culturally, I think my number one made a larger, wider impact than Batman did. Um, then let's do it. All right. So my number three is Rocco's Modern Life. Hell yeah. That's one of my honorable mentions. <laughs> nice. That well, one almost made it to the list. Now, for me, once again, along the lines of Ren and Stimpy, this cartoon is a cartoon that it did not patronize kids or preteens that were watching this show it didn't it treated them like adults it had jokes that were meant clearly for adults it didn't pander anything it didn't hold back it also had its own set of issues that it ran into standards and practices yes. you still i so i bought this series recently on dvd we, we have it too <laughs> you still cannot get unedited episodes um, of some of these because they have gone through and they have at the time, originally they aired unedited. Mm-hmm. Then Nickelodeon went back when they were doing reruns and said, holy shit, like, how yeah. did we let this through? Like, I can't believe there's one uh, where Heifer, the cow, right. is getting milked by a milking machine. Yeah. There's a gif of that floating around the internet. Though. But he doesn't have udders. Yeah. So the joke is that basically he's it, it's bringing him to orgasm. And it looks like And it. he has an orgasm. Like, his, yeah. his face is him, like, orgasming. Yes. Um, and so they cut that. They were like, you absolutely like, we cannot, I don't know how that got through. It's sort of like that. Um, and this is going to be a weird reference, but it's sort of like that episode of boy meets world that does not air. And you can't, you can barely find anywhere where Sean becomes an alcoholic and beats Angela. 
Oh shit! I forgot about that. Everyone episode. forgets about that because it aired but once, you're right. and then was pulled from syndication and is not on any of the box sets. That's so crazy. And when I say beats Angela, he like pushes her into a door, right? And then immediately apologizes, but it's not okay. Like, he, yeah, of course, it, you know, it portrayed his character in a very dark light. Yeah, but it was a, a fantastic episode. But it's one of those that it aired. And then everyone later was like, ah, I don't think we can do that. So the network just like, you know what? That doesn't exist anymore. Right. And they did that a lot We're with taking Rocco. it out. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, so Rocco's Modern Life, um, it's one that I watch religiously when I when mm. I edit. I'll watch it just randomly. I'll just throw on episodes. Um, and it was a kind of a precursor for a lot of people that ended up and still to this day work on major shows. Like, um, I actually think... SpongeBob basically spun off its entire cast. Yeah. I know the voice for Heifer is the voice of Patrick. Yeah, you have uh, Tom Kenny. Uh huh. Yep, that's the guy. He's also from SpongeBob. Um, you've got uh, Mr. Lawrence, who is the voice of Plankton on SpongeBob. Um, you've got uh, Carlos Alazraki, who is oh, Rocco. But he's a, a lot of people know him from Reno 911. Yes. Um, which I did not realize until recently they were the same guy. That he is the voice of Rocco, yeah. which is crazy. Um, but so the show, this one ran from 93 to 96. Mm-hmm. Um, it had four seasons. And this is another one where it flew under the radar, Spunky! like we said. Spunky! Spunky! Um, you've got the big heads that live oh. next door and their animate oh. and their animation, uh, animator son who they've disowned. Yes. Oh, Rocco. Oh, <laughs> it's Ed, Edna big head. That's a really good Edna. Big Thank head. you. Thank you. Um, but you've got heifer, which is awesome. Who is a steer that raised by a wolf family <laughs> who doesn't know he's adopted. Exactly. Which is hilarious. Um, one of the things they edited out, um, was, uh, they, f- they went to a restaurant called Chokey Chicken. Yeah. Uh, that's edited out. That's on edited. some of our they DVDs. Ch- they changed it. Uh, the name is different. Oh, it's okay. called like Ch- Clucky Chicken or oh, something like that. I remember, I remember Chokey yeah, Chicken. Yeah, cause it was Chokey Chicken and that was a joke. It was yeah. like, ha choking the chicken. Hilarious. Yeah. And then Heifer chokes on a bone and dies. And dies. It goes <laughs> to hell. <laughs> right. And hell he has udders on his head, like yeah. the, the devil, the devil or the demon or whatever. Another very horrifying children's image of the devil, just like him from Powerpuff Girls. It was. He, very, and he like squirts milk when yeah, he gets angry. A very it's, visceral devil image. It's very weird. Um, but that's great. Filbert, I, the turtle. I love, and oh, one of the I'm things I vomit. loved about <laughs> Filbert, Filbert was that he ended up marrying the, or at least dating. The wolf. No, the the dentist. Was she oh, a wolf? The, she was a wolf. I think. She was. Yeah, I thought she. I didn't know. Pretty what she sure. Was. But with a hook hand. Yes. They become like an item. Yes. For much of the run of the show. Yes. But uh, it had some of the. It had the chameleon twins that would show up every once in a while. The shysters, the con men. Yes. They uh, ran every business in town. Totally. And they had the the one of the episodes I remember the most is they ran a gym. That, like Rocco that. and Heifer go, and they couldn't to like out. not on. They couldn't not become members. Yeah, um, they've got. I mean, what else? They've got um, really, really big man. That was like a. <laughs> that was a, a a little side character, kind of like Powdered Toast Man on yep. Ren and Snippy, and uh, he had nipples that would like alert him to where the trouble was. Damn right. Um, which always blew my mind because <laughs> it was like, oh, my nipples are tingling. Like it was just yeah. like what. 
Um, I um, and whenever I think of that show, I always, for whatever reason, the episode that I remember first is when they go to that really dangerous, shitty theme park or. Oh yeah. 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 And he gets like blasted into outer space. He he gets blasted into outer space. There's like the nosebleed is one of the rides. And then there's the, uh, all the games are rigged and Rocco loses all like the, the, the claw machine comes out and takes his wallet. That's the one I think of first for whatever reason. I always think of, uh, the succomatic episode where he gets the vacuum cleaner that fucking destroys the whole neighborhood. Yeah. And then, uh, also the episode where he goes to the mall, and it's like all automated, and it, he goes yeah. to like the uh, the water bowl store for Spunky, and it's got yeah. like a hydro, like the Hydromatic Five Thousand yes. or whatever, and it's like a super high, but it's a credit card yeah. episode. And the point is, he keeps like spending money that he doesn't have. Well, and that was an interesting show that, um, unlike a lot of the other ones, it sort of depicted someone in their mid twenties. Yeah. Oh, because totally. he lived on his own. He had a job. Um, he he kind of lived in a of, shitty, yeah. like subsidized house. He was out of college. Um, and actually, I think the mall episode, like the first half of that episode is him trying to find a parking space. Yeah. Which is so relatable. Yeah. It has a whole bunch. Um, one of the other episodes I remember is the rules of the road where he takes a driving course and they show like really fucked up video, but it's like people made out of tomatoes and then uh, they like splat when they hit a wall yep. and shit. It's like, obey the rules. <laughs> Of the road. Which we watched in my driver's ed class, which, you know, I took after I watched Rocco's Modern Life. We watched a video called Red Asphalt. Yeah. Which was basically yeah. the exact same thing. Exactly. Uh, but it's also got an iconic theme song, the Rocco's Modern Life. Rocco's Modern Life. Well, and, I've, and I only recently, going back and watching it, did I realize that the opening credits were a montage view of his life. Yeah. That he was born, he went to school, he got like knowledge pushed they into like, him. like open his head and like put a book in it. Then he like moves out of his parents' house, gets spunky, meets friends, and then navigates life. Right. And then it sort of introduces the show, which, you know, most of the times you just overlook the opening credits. It's right. just dumb or it's clips of the show. For that one, it actually tells the story. Yeah, it's a it preamble, tells his, right? It gives his his yeah. prologue. Well, and you know all the, you, know, you mentioned all the the voice actors that went on to do SpongeBob. The guy who created SpongeBob was an animator on that show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And absolutely. he wrote a lot of the episodes. And this one is created by Joe Murray, mm-hmm. um, who went on to do like Camp Laszlo, which is have you watched that? Yeah, totally. It's pretty good, absolutely. And you can tell it's the, the same. The animation style looks yep. very similar, like the, the anima- character the design character looks, yeah. Um, so that is, that is my number three. That's a great one. It, it is bolded on my honorable mentions list. Cause it was one I was definitely going to mention if we didn't get to it. That makes me happy in my pantalones. Um, so that's my number three. We already know what my number two is. So fucking I'm Batman, the so animated series. Curious what your number one All is. All right. Now my number one is number one. I'm going to preface a little bit. We'll draw it out here. My number one is number one. Mainly because I feel like it had a huge, huge cultural impact. And is one that pretty much anybody from our age to within the 10 years after us, and even the 5 to 10 years Mm pre-us, so even the older crowd, know about this. Can I guess what it is? Yes. Okay. I mean, do you want to draw it out some more? Can I go ahead and guess? No, no, we're good. Go for it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No. 
Damn it. That's no. one of my honorable mentions because I watch that a lot. It is Rugrats. Ooh, okay. Now, Rugrats did something that is kind of amazing. It made a show that is absolutely acceptable for little children and also 100% geared towards adults as well. It had a lot of really kind of hidden sardonic humor Uh about adult parenthood life and just kind of the things. And as a parent, as a parent yourself, um, you don't really realize until oh, this no, happens. Not at all. Did I so catch any? So you don't any realize of that. that you know, um, you know, Angelica has a workaholic mother and father. Um, the mother is definitely like verbally abusive to the yeah. father. You've got the twins that their parents. You've got the mom who's like this super intense like. She's like an auto mechanic, heavy character, or and then the dad's like this really kind of like quiet pushover guy. I mean, Chucky doesn't have a mom. Yeah, you've got um, his dad. His dad is is a widower and deals with all these things. Um, so you've got all these characters that are really interesting, all these different perspectives of parenthood. Um, but then you've also got the amazingness of like the Spielberg cartoons used to do, where they would reference mm-hmm. very pop culture related things. Um, they spoofed just about every movie you yeah. can think of on adventures where Tommy and the other kids would Indiana Jones was a big one. They did them. Indiana Jones. They did star Wars. Uh-huh. Um, they had just huge amounts of, of kind of references to that kind of stuff. They had, um, you know, pop culture satire. They had like reptar. Um, right. they had the dummy bears, which was basically yep. like making fun of gummy bears. Well, that, but also <laughs> just children's cartoons in yeah. general and how they merchandise the shit out of everything. Um, Susie, their token black friend whose dad was an animator for the dummy bears. And, um, it became this whole big thing about behind the scenes and how they would, they also had the whole talk about how the network would send notes. And originally the creator wanted dummy bears to be more edgy. And instead it's like this care bears type show. Um, it spun off into other series. Um, you know, they did a bunch of crossovers with like uh, the Wild Thornberries, which right. is the same animation company, the Klasky Supo. Right. Um, it had like th- I think they did three theatrical run movies. Yeah, but only like one of them is watchable. Uh, no, <sighs> they did Rugrats and Rugrats in Paris, which were which were both pretty okay. I never got into. I have to say, Rugrats in Paris isn't great. It was okay. That's the one where where they have dill pickles. Yeah, I mean, I know, and, and that was actually something I did like about that show is that the the family grew. Totally, like they introduced new characters along the way because Susie wasn't at the beginning. Nope. Um, dill definitely didn't come in until nope. later. Then Chucky gets a sister from uh-huh. Rugrats in Paris as well as a new mom. Right. Um, Becomes canon. That's right. Um, but the show did something where everybody can identify with the Rugrats. Like I, I have yet to be, I, I know people that are, like I said, five, 10 years younger than me that are still aware of the Rugrats. Um, I will say that their all grown up series was terrible, terrible. Sure. Because it, that it, it missed the point. Yeah. The point of the show was, you know, they had this hilarious take um, it's, it's still, I still say some of the things that they said on there. Angelica used to say, thank Bob instead of God. Right. I still say that. I'm like, Oh, thank Bob. Yeah. Um, 
They have, you know, just all these kind of references and they have, once again, just like um, uh, one of my other favorite 90s shows, Boy Meets World. Right. Um, it has a pretty amazing fan theory floating around about it. Do you remember hearing this about like, Is it one, the real dark theory? Dead or? It's that basically all of the other children are dead. Angelica is the only one that right. actually exists. I did read that. And that it's basically just figments of her imagination to deal with the fact that her parents like don't, don't pay attention her. to her yeah. at all and don't love her. Well, and the fan theory went so in-depth as to say that's why some of the parents are the way that they are. Right. Because they're grieving either there was a whole either thing about, like a, a stillbirth or a right. child like death chucky's or, dad was like depressed because his wife his and wife chucky and died chucky died during childbirth and then or the whatever. twins were stillborn right and so that's why the the mom is so demeaning to the dad right like it's her coping they went like super yeah. and but real deep on it too yeah, like i they do remember really like with that um I have to say, like, you're making an extremely good case for it. This wasn't on my list, obviously, and it's not even an honorable mention for me. Okay. Mainly because when I lump that into the classification of Nicktoons, and when I think of Nicktoons, so many more come to mind first. But, man, you're making a damn good case. Yeah, I'm just saying I I also feel like on top of everything else, it is quintessentially 90s mm-hmm. the show is so 90s it's synonymous with yeah. the 90s well i mean uh stewie Stu's dad or is it Stu? is the dad yeah Stu is the dad okay. Stu pickles Stu pickles he was like an inventor yeah like, he is out of work inventor basically it would work at a toy maker or something yep. in the basement and yep. you know he, it, he created like that an episode where he created like a patty peas a lot yeah. or something um <laughs> And actually one episode that I always remember that's sort of like a highlight for me on the creativity and smartness of the show is where they had an entire adventure to find out where the light goes when the fridge closes. Yeah. And I remember as a kid thinking, I've never thought about that, but does the light stay on when the fridge closes or how does that even work? Right. They did have an uncanny sense of being able to put themselves in the mind of a toddler and figure out what the creativity or imagination or what toddlers are actually doing when they're doing crazy, stupid sure. shit. But it had basically all of the counterparts from all of the series that led up to it being the number one. Yeah. It had gross out humor. There was an entire episode where the dad or the grandfather yeah. loses his teeth and you basically follow his teeth around like yeah. a summer picnic and doesn't the grandfather like actively watch porn in their house yeah there is one where he rents videos and he brings it in and he's like going through them and he's like star babes from outer space he's like oh this one's for grandpa i'll watch that after you go to bed or you tykes go to bed um so it had that adult biting humor it had satire it had um very kid-friendly pg level stuff um, it operated on all of the levels. It had dark storylines, and they actually dealt with mm-hmm. some kind of like heavy themes. Um, so it kind of ran the gamut for doing all of the things listed. Right. It had zany, you know, zaniness it to it, um, and it um, it had Mark Mothersbaugh, which has become <laughs> like synonymous for me yeah. from the Flaming Lips, right? As like a quintessentially kind of '90s. No, oh, for sure. 
artist for um, sure. And he did the theme song. He did a bunch. Um, the soundtrack from the Rugrats movie was just filled with like amazing like '90s yeah. artists. Um, so yeah. So for me, it cements itself as you know what I imagine to be one of the most quintessentially '90s television you know animated kid shows every part of me wants to disagree and and disqualify that but i can't you've made a really good case thank you and i have to say that's that's a strong that's a strong number one i appreciate it man so far so i think we had we both had great lists yeah i very much liked yours run back through yours and then there's a couple more i just want to mention and see what your thoughts are yeah totally so uh my number five was ren and stimpy um which i think is weird because it was your number one so it was the complete polar opposite on my list uh, my number four was Animaniacs. My number three was Rocco's Modern Life. My number two was Batman the Animated Adventures. And my number one was Rugrats. So you had three Nicktoons on there. I did. I only had the one. I know. We but talked I, about this. But I love the Nicktoons. And actually, some of my honorable mentions, I mean, the fact, I'm glad we talked about Rocco's. Sure. But Angry Beavers. Angry was Beavers. So, was so, I have that on DVD, was too. Was so great. I like the Angry Beavers mainly because they were so pop culture conscious totally like their episodes would be complete spoofs they had a very dark ending that show just made me laugh always 100 percent. um all real monsters yeah is another I, one i have that on dvd as well and that one was a completely different style of animation like you can see a through line of, obviously with the you know the thornberries and doug and rugrats and rocco and and all you know and um angry beavers like they kind of felt similar but Angry, I mean, All Real Monsters was completely out there. Yeah, I totally agree. It's kind of one of those shows that, um, that was also a Klasky Supo. So the same people that did Rugrats. Um, the animation style was very much the same. Um, but it was definitely one of those that, um, you know, I loved that show too. Yeah. Um, so when I was thinking um, 90s shows too i went i was i even thought to like darkwing duck that's a bolded one on my Dark honorable mentions duck. and Let's darkwing duck basically dangerous. a spin-off of you know tailspin and and um and ducktales yeah. which were also regarded i for wanted me. to put ducktales on my list ducktales came out in the 80s yeah it was like 87 but darkwing duck i loved because it was sort of their take on batman but yeah. they did incredible world building Oh, totally. Because they, it was very episodic and characters would be introduced, but then they would stick around. And so this entire town for Darkwing Duck got built out and you understood all of it. Yeah. And I really always loved that. I totally agree. Um, And another one for me was Rescue Rangers. <laughs> I, Chip I, and Dale, I really liked, Rescue Rangers. I really liked that one for some reason. Yeah. And, you know, Gidget was an yeah. extremely well-rounded female character. Was it Gidget or was it Gadget? I think it was Gidget, but I think it was a play off of Gadget because she was okay. the builder. I it was Gadget. Okay. It, you might be right. I'm not, not going to look those, it up. It's one of those two. Okay. People on Twitter can, can tell They can us. let us know. But those were the ones that if we didn't get to, you know, I wanted to at least mention because there's some quality ones that people should go look up. I think that that is very solid. Uh, may I also uh, just throw in there uh, like I said, mentioned earlier, Street Sharks. You know, when it comes to that style, I actually always prefer Gargoyles. 
Gargoyles. Gargoyles was a fun I actually didn't hell. Mind, I didn't mind Gargoyles at all. I kind of. And then uh, what was the one? Um, biker mice from outer space. Biker mice from Mars. Biker mice from Mars. That yeah. was it. That those three for some reason were always synonymous for me. Totally. Like, they were the same type of show, kind of type of thing. Um, and then I mean, you had the Earthworm Jim show that was not great, but came out around then, and I loved Earthworm those games. Jim. Uh, you had the Tick. You Dell, why did neither of us have the tick on yeah, our list? It was on my honorable mentions. I'm I'm now sad that neither of us had the tick on our list. It was a good animated show. It wasn't top five worthy though. I, don't I, I can get on board for that. I think the live action series I enjoy more. I agree. Um, and then I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's solid because I loved them. Now was I that had, '90s or did that also come out a little bit? I before? would have to look that up. I okay. thought it was '90s. At least the majority of it was in the '90s. Totally. But I had. All of those toys. Oh, me too. Those were the toys that I played with. For sure. For sure. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, so I'm I'm with you, man. I think this is you know one of my favorite time periods ever. Yes. Uh, for animated TV shows. Um, like I said, I take inspiration it was every time sort of a, I edit. It was after Hanna Barbera died out almost, and it was sort of a golden age for television. And then there was a drought for like ten years, and only in the last like seven or eight have we really gone back to. Great animated shows. Animated kid shows. Yes. I 100% agree with that. Man, that was fun. That was fun. So you know what time it is. It is commercial time and then game time. And we have a good game today. We do have a good game, and I'm real excited to get to it. So, so let's, 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 let's listen to some fucking commercials. Booyah. Stay tuned. The Disney Afternoon will return. Let's party, dudes! The turtle's party wagon is ready to roll right over the foot plan. They may be tough, but the tenderizer will soften them right up. Launch the secret weapon! Uh-oh, the shredder has his own wheels, and his foot cruiser looks really bad, and it converts to aerial attack mode. What next? Launch the launch! Whoa, the turtle's motorized pizza thrower will leave the foot with a bad taste in their mouths. If the guys don't eat all the ammunition... Talk about out to lunch! Ninja Turtle. From Playmate. Spy Tech, Case 101. The Whistler's made his move. Use your Spy Tech binoculars to keep him in sight. He's coming your way. The Spy Tech intruder alert detects his movement. He's yours. You've lost him. Set up the Spy Tech long range microphone. You can hear the smallest sounds like they were right up close. You've got him now. They have Spy Tech. They know. Spy Tech, high tech equipment that works. Each sold separately, new. Cheerios. Yeah. It's part of this complete breakfast. Oh. Come on, guys. Some O's for the road. Yeah. Let's go. Okay, guys. Ready to run back? You can get a free sticker and marked boxes of Cheerios. Plus a chance to join the Bo Jackson fan club with your parents, okay? Now back to adventure on Tailspin. And it's game time. Game time. Pop, pop, Power Rangers. <laughs> Mighty Morphin, play Power some Rangers. fucking games. What? Huh? Hmm? I, we didn't practice that. No, not at all. I think it's obvious. Our harmonies were <laughs> gorgeous. They, they were, were on luscious. Point. Suck it, sync. That's right. <laughs> Who's that? Yeah. More like Instinct. Talking about, they weren't the 90s, were they? Yeah. No, new kids on the block were the nineties. Uh, 
Hanging tough. Yeah, I don't know. The, that's, that's the right line. stuff. That's right. Um, actually, uh, very embarrassingly, was a New Kids on the Block fan. <laughs> and then when they broke off and one of their singers shot themselves in front of Bruce Willis and Six Cent, Six Sense, it was pretty great. Nice. That's right. It's a You're deep. Right. Cu- it's a sure deep did. cut. It was a deep cut. Most people don't realize that's Donnie Wahlberg, but it totally is Donnie. One hundred percent is Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> All right, so late on me, game master. What All right. Playing? For today's game, what mm-hmm. we have is basically our version of two truths and a lie. Sure. You ever played that game? Yep. But it's sort of a reverse. It's uh, two lies and a truth. Sure. And it's the 90s cartoon edition. So what we've done is because we talked a lot about um, cartoons that had adult themes, there are obviously ones that were had hidden innuendos, hidden sexual or very adult jokes in them. So what we have is now we've each come up with two or three sets, but we're going to make up two fake adult innuendos hidden in television shows, and there's sure. going to be one that's real, and the and we're going to have to guess which one of ours is real from the other person. All right, I'm into it. So I will go first. I'll give okay. you my first set of three, and then you can give me your first set of three. Okay, sounds good. So listen to all the, the clues, and then you tell me which one is real. Okay. So um, in The Powerpuff Girls, Buttercup gives the professor a condom for his date. Mm-hmm. Number two, Wacko makes a licking a pussy joke about Rita from Rita and Runt sketch in Animaniacs. Okay. And number three... In Batman the Animated Series, Joker is seen in a scene zipping up his fly after leaving a room with Harley Quinn. Um, I'm going to go with... What was the first one again? Uh, Buttercup from the Powerpuff Girls gives the professor a condom for his date. I'm going to go with the licking a pussy joke. That's not true. Um, it's the condom for his Is date. it? I was yeah. I was almost on that one. Uh, actually, uh, it's sort of a, a, a trick question, too, because Powerpuff Girls is the cartoon that makes a licking a pussy joke. Really? The mayor is licking a cat after Miss Bellum leaves the scene. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That's pretty solid. Yeah. So I want to hear your, your first set, and we've got two more. All right. That. So uh, in Hey Arnold. Okay. Uh, Arnold's grandmother admits to being a nudist during the seventies. Okay. Okay. Um, which makes Arnold shudder and (laughs) I can imagine react in a very negative way. Uh, Dexter from Dexter's laboratory gets an assistant whom he asks to dance at one point, And she tells him that it would be $50 upcharge. Okay. So like a stripper, a hooker, a hooker joke. Um, or we've got uh, Filbert, while picking berries from a bush, grabs a bear's dick <laughs> on Rocco's Modern Life. Um, I, I have to say it's the Dextra one. Okay. Because that one I know for a fact happened. Okay. Um, and then I also have to say that uh, it's Rocco. It is Rocco. That grabs a bear's That's dick. That's right. That is correct. So, yeah. yeah. So you got it. Solid. Um, okay. So, in, uh, okay, here's my next set. There is a, 
an actual naked woman hidden in a magazine still in an episode of Ed, Ed, and Eddie mm-hmm. in their clubhouse. Wren saws a log off of Stimpy's rear end using a belt saw that has a, an erection. And then after the saw, after the log is snapped in half, the saw goes limp. And then number three is Mr. Horse from Wren and Stimpy gets a date with the uh, using the phrase hung like a horse. Uh, uh, number three. No, it's the saw belt. Fuck, I was gonna say that one too. Which is crazy. I suck at this game. Extremely graphic if you haven't seen it. Oh, I'm actually watching it right now. (laughs) It's terrible, isn't it? That's pretty intense. It's awful. Wow. And then wait till like when it gets to the end and he like it goes. Yeah, it, it goes limp. No innuendo. That's there. Pretty amazing. Um. Wow. Wowzers. Um, all right. So, um, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to go with, okay. So at one point there is a, uh, cake displayed in an episode of SpongeBob. Okay. That is apologizing for giving someone herpes. Okay. Uh-huh. That's written in the icing. Okay. All right. Uh, there is also, uh, let's stick with the SpongeBob again. Um, there is an episode where uh, Gary, the sea snail, is caught watching pornography. They make a pornography joke. Nice. Um, and let's go with. Uh, I'm gonna make a choice here have so many good ones um let's go with um there is a obvious circumcision joke regarding uh a rugrats piece where one baby says hey they cut my cord and another one (laughs) responds consider yourself lucky that one that one's real. That is 100% now, real. The other two are facsimiles of things that did happen, though, because SpongeBob right. watches porn. I changed porn. it around. Right. Okay. I changed it around a little bit. And then the first one, it's it's something about scabies or something? It is scabies. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm done, because that's all I got. Oh, that's all you got? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have one more set. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, uh, my first one is in the Powerpuff, in the Powerpuff Girls... The mayor can be seen jerking off to Mrs. Bellum okay. in, a, in an episode. All right. Uh, two, um, uh, in Cow and Chicken, their house gets infested with carpet munchers. Okay. And number three is that in Hey Arnold, uh, Helga writes in her journal that, that Arnold makes her girlhood tremble. <laughs> uh, I know the carpet munchers thing happened. Yeah, uh, that's actually a trick question because both of the last two are real. Damn it! That Helga does write in her journal that say, Arnold makes, makes her, her girlhood tremble. tremble. Yeah, um, I have to say that you oh, you kind of ruined some of mine because we had similar. One ones. of my ones was that um, Rocco grabs a bear's dick in the woods. Awesome, and which then, is true. Yes, it is true. And then, um, and then one of my other ones was Dexter pays fifty dollars for a stripper in his lab. <laughs> so I had to pull from my other supply of, of, of fake ones. That's solid, man. 
So that's it. That's it. What a nostalgia-based episode. I loved it. What an astounding episode. N- nostalgia. So, wait, okay, what did we say we were going to name this one? Oh, Eiffel Towering the 90s? Yeah. But we've got we've to add in the animated. So it's going to yeah. be like Eiffel Towering the animated 90s. Nice. Okay. That'll be fun. Yeah. I'm well, I hope, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. If you did... Um, please leave us, you know, comments or, or rate us high on on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or yep. or everywhere else that you listen. Um, you know, leave we, comment. We leave. love we love interacting with people that that interact with the show. So you know, send those comments. We read every single one and we answer every single one. Um, you know, if you want to share the show or you want to talk to us, we're always on Twitter at um, hi the number five the podcast. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com, high five the podcast. And that's all letters, no numbers. Correct. You can, you can check us out at our website, www.highfivethepodcast.com. Once again, all letters, no numeros. And when you go to the website, be sure to check out our bonus feature section because we highlight really cool businesses around the Nashville area and, and people that we're friends with. We give uh, trailer town reviews of uh, movie trailers that have come out. That's right. Um, and then speaking of rankings, you know, we're on Letterboxd as That's well. Right. And so we do movie reviews that we don't talk about on the show there as well and a lot of our lists can be found there too 100 percent. so check it out talk with us we'll talk at you we'll tell you you're wrong yeah. or we'll tell you you're right probably won't admit yeah. that you're right until next time i think next week we actually have a jinxies episode of sleepover coming out where we get to review one of our shared number ones so super excited stay about tuned that. for that Definitely. i think it's mall rats this time i think so that'll be fun that'll be a accurate. lot of fun so as always i am q i'm jay nope. get the fuck out of here high five high five and that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.